good morning. How are you guys? Good. Go turn to 2 Corinthians with me, chapter 5, real quick. We're going to do something a little different today. We get to, to hear from some folks uh, in regards to our mission week that we had a couple weeks ago before Easter. And uh, get to hear just about some of the stories that happened there and kind of what God did. And the lessons that you and I can learn from that outpouring of love that we showed our community. Remember, on the front, in the front of your bulletin has it. It says the, it's that love does symbol. It's on the back of the t-shirts that we had for that week. Uh, that was our theme. That was the emphasis, that love actually uh, is hands and feet of Jesus. And, uh, and obviously the greatest love was the day and the time that Jesus laid down his life for his friends, for you and I, that we could be called friends. And, and the cross is the greatest expression of love. So that now you and I, after Christ and, and his cross, can carry that cross, lifting up the cross of Christ to the world that they may see his great love that he had for us. We are ambassadors. And so we're going to be in, in 2 Corinthians. You've all turned there and I will need to. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and uh, this is where Paul, uh, he's exhorting, exhorting the Corinthians that, that they are uh, a new creature, a new creation, a new creature. Uh, and we see the flowers below the cross, there's this newness of life, this growth that we are, we are to be and to have. And he says this in verse 17 of chapter 5. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Those are big words, right? He reconciled us. That word reconcile means to fix or to resolve. There, see, there was an issue between my relationship with God uh, and, and how, his relationship with me because of my sin. There was a, a, a tarnished, a broken relationship. So God, God made a way through Christ to fix and to resolve, to reconcile that relationship, that I could draw near again to God. And then once I, I'm reconciled, he gives me the ministry of reconciliation. He gives me and you the task of going out and letting people know that God wants to fix and resolve the issue that is between them. Verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed this message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him or in Christ. We, we have this ministry as Christ's body, as his hands and feet. It is our responsibility and our privilege to carry that cross and, and to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ, carrying around the message of hope that is in the reconciliation through Jesus and his death and his resurrection. That there is hope beyond hope in that, and that we do that out of love, and it is only loving to be that ambassador. So today, uh, I'm going to ask the crew to come on up, the, the panel that I have. Uh, I've asked some, uh, five people to come and share about different parts of the stories uh, from the weeks that we were uh, in Reno and Oakland and in Mount Shasta. So they're going to come today, and we're going we're gonna to just visit and get to hear from them. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to tie in each story with kind of a biblical point, right, because this is a sermon, and, and, and how we should live and, and some, some biblical instruction of how we should be encouraged. Now, not all of us were able to be a part of that week, and I get that. And, and that week is not the only thing we should be looking forward to next year. We should ask that question, what can I do tomorrow to, to be love and be the hands and feet of Jesus, to carry my cross and to, to let the world know about God's reconciliation, that love he has for them through Christ. 
So there's practical ways that we ought to live every day. But we'll get, we're going to start today. You guys get your microphones. You're good. I'll sit down and we'll begin. We'll start with, uh, with Chris Adlard, and she has a, a neat story to share about uh, the time here. Hi, my name is Chris, and I get the privilege of being the secretary of the church. So I get to see some fun behind-the-scenes things. So I got to see um, all the ideas and the brainstorming that was going on um, as we were leading up into Mission Week. And um, it was awesome. And there was, um, my story is about our visit at Escaton on Friday. So um, Alistair and his crew went out, and they hung these little door hangers on all of the residents at Escaton. I'm looking at a beautiful one right here, Lois. And so, uh, the, and on this card, um, they could check off that they would like a meal. They were offered turkey or ham or both and all the fixings. And then underneath that, they could check if there's some things they needed help with um, in their apartment, whether it was um, cleaning the bathrooms, uh, washing windows, moving things to storage, going for a walk, taking out the trash. And um, we were pretty excited about that. Um, that we could offer this to them. I was a little nervous about the bathroom thing, but, uh, <laughs> but we have a really special small group leader who offered her and her girls to take on that part. And so we were really thankful for those girls. But um, while before this happened, before they came back, I got a phone call in the office and this man calls and he says, hi, my name's John and I'm the president of the residence of Escaton. And uh, I just wanna know if you're really gonna do this. And I said, yes, John, yeah, we're, we're going to do it, and we're excited. He's like, why would you want to do this? And I said, you know, John, we, we want to minister to your residents. We want to love them, and we want to show um, Jesus' love to them. And then he's like, hmm, well, you better come because they're counting on you. I said, I said John, we are going to be there, and we are so excited that we can reach out to you guys in this way. So um, I always think that's so we went and and we did these jobs and the people were so gracious and so loving um, they were very grateful for us for our assistance there and and uh, we got thank you cards back we had a card signed by a lot of the residents there that we helped and um, one of the ladies has called me twice I think we're friends now her name's Anne and she she remembers everyone that came and helped at her place because there are a few of us did different things. We have teams. And so she asked me, how Mitchell is? How is Hayden? How, you know, and, and is, how's Jeff? And how's Alistair and Jackie? And I said, we're doing great, Anne. And, and so we talked for like 10, 15 minutes this week just um, visiting. And, and it was a real blessing to me. And, and I think that I always struggle with uh, transitioning that love into how do I tell them that this is coming from Jesus? This isn't just me. And um, being in the office has helped me through the Salvation Army. We're able to help people in need. And so when they come in, and, and this week we got to do it twice, we got, or three times, we got to give food to some families who were really in need. And so I fill out the voucher, and, and, um, and I sit with them. And, and then before they leave, I said, you know, my friend Lori gave me this idea. Yeah. <laughs> She's, I said, can I pray for you guys before you go? And, you know, no one so far has said no. They're like, sure. So it gives me an opportunity. So instead of saying I do this in the name of Jesus and put my hands on them, I just say, Lord, please, you know, please bless them and help this food to strengthen their bodies and, and that this would be a great help to their family. And we look forward to what you're doing in their lives. And, and I make it short, and they, and they always say amen, and I get a hug. And so I feel like um, this has really taught me how to show love 
in the name of Jesus. And I really appreciate the, you know, the opportunity. And I appreciate all the people that worked in the kitchen to make those meals. We had, what, 36 or 35 or so. And, and they delivered those. Those people were excited when they got those, that, those deliveries. And, yeah, huh, Todd? It, it, was, it was a really special activity. And I hope that we, in that ministry, that we can do that again. So it's great. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> so point number one from this story, if you're taking notes on something, uh, it's that love never fails. And, and what we can kind of, what happens in life and with pro- even these projects, we can get to the point where, yeah, you know what, I need to do a project. It's going to, it's just, it makes me feel good about myself. I'm going to partner with our church. It's going to be an amazing, amazing thing, right? And if, we, if we're not careful, we need to, we're going to miss that, that we may fail at that project. We may not do it quite exact. And if that's all we're holding on to, we didn't really meet what God wanted us to meet. And that love is the thing that never fails. I'm going to read a passage uh, out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is an important passage that, that is read oftentimes in weddings. Uh, but this is, this is actually uh, directed to a church, to, to a group of people in the body of Christ to understand where love never fails. That there's, there's maybe divisions or maybe differences amongst us, but there's something that remains. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 1, it says this, If I speak human or angelic languages, but I have not love... I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so I can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to boast, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It is not boastful. It's not conceited. It does not act improperly. It's not selfish. It is not provoking or provoked. Uh, It does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never ends. And and for this project and for this, even our lives, listen, we're going to fail one another. We're going to disappoint one another. Uh, We're not going to follow through all the time and always be on, on time to things or do it the correct way. And when, when John called, and he, he was questioning that, like, are you guys really going to do this? Well, what we're really going to do is we're really going to come over there and just love you the best we know how. And see, that's what never fails. The loving people in that way, in a selfless, sa- sacrificial way, is what never fails. Did we mess up on a window? Probably. Right? Did we clean every corner and nook and cranny of a bathroom? Probably not. But did we love well? That's the, that's the, the answer is yes, right? We loved well. And for you and I, that's love never fails. And, and the motive of love is what has to, has to prompt us and go forward. All right, next up we have Elizabeth who went to Reno. Yep. I went to Reno with Chase and uh, the other group of people. I think there was 20 of us in all. And we went there. We were working with Faith Ministries led by Jay and Nikki Ballard. And we just went down to help them with their church and to uh, help them prepare for their Easter service and put on an, an event for some kids in a mobile home park and do some construction around their uh, community. And it was really a great time. Um, and I feel like God really was trying to tell us, he, I felt it on my heart, trying to tell me just to go where he sent me, go where I'm needed. And not to say, I want to go every day work with the kids because that's fun. I can go one day and work with a prayer walking. Because that's hard. You know, you have to walk a couple hours and it rains sometimes and stuff. So I felt like it, I felt like it was a really good thing that I went and that the other people were stepping up too. I felt like everyone had a very selfless attitude and they were all ready to serve. And 
the first day, not a lot of people wanted to do prayer walking, so um, I stepped up, and a couple other kids, and even two, the two little girls who went with us, they stepped up, and it was a really great time, because we passed out flyers for their Easter service, and you got to say a little prayer for the house that you walked by, or whatever, and it was really a good experience, and you got to talk to the people who were, you were doing it with, so I think that was great, too. And then um, second day, we were doing it again, and the weather, it was raining off and on, and we stood around w one of the moments and uh, just asked, like, should we go back to the car? Because it was raining, and we decided, no, we can go for a few more minutes, um, and then it stopped raining, and we got to keep going, and then it would rain again, and we're like, we could go a few more minutes, and then it stopped raining. So it was really, it was good, because we got, got to keep doing it. And we passed out, I think, 750 flyers for their Easter service. And that was, I think that was really good in neighborhoods there. Um, and another thing I felt really was great um, was little Kieran and Aiden. They stepped up on the third day to teach the memory verse to the kids at the kids' club. And these kids are almost the same age as them, so they're teaching kids their age and a little younger. And I felt that was really great. They were just so ready to serve and so ready to teach and to uh, be diligent in that. And it was really great to see them stepping up and uh, being willing. And then everyone, was, everyone had a good attitude with cleaning and everything. We stayed in a church that we had to clean the day we left. And I, everyone worked well together, and I think that was really good. And... It was a great group of people who was ready to work for God and not working for themselves. And I think it was really great that we got to go there and minister to those people in Reno. Awesome. Yeah. So point number two is this. Be ready to raise your hand. Say, here I am. And, and look and wait for what God's going to show you. Uh, you know, I'm reminded from her story, I'm reminded of when God called Abraham, who was Abram at the time. And what did he say when he called him? He said, get up, to get your family, let's, we're going to move and go to the place, what? that I will show you. Go to the place I'm going to show you, but I'm not going to reveal this to you right now. You're not going to have all the answers. You're not going to know the end of the project. And see, sometimes for us, we like, to, we like to know, right? We like to have it all planned out, have all our ducks in a row before we go, and count, count the cost 100%. And sometimes what God's saying is just be willing to raise your hand and say, I'm here, I'm ready to go. Whatever, whatever you want to show me as we go, God, I'm, I'm ready with open arms and open eyes. I don't have to just accomplish this task letter by letter that you've asked me to do. I can, I can just be willing to see how you want to use me wherever I go. And I, I want to read the scripture out of Isaiah. When Isaiah uh, saw a vision of the Lord and uh, he was confronted basically with God face to face, where he fell on his face and said basically, I am, I'm dead meat, God. You are God and I am not. And then what happened in verse 6 of Isaiah 6, it says, Then one of the seraphim, or the angels, flew to me, and his hand uh, was a glowing, or in his hand was a glowing coal he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your wickedness is removed, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who should I send? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am. Send me. You know, when, when we have an encounter with Jesus, and he changes our life, and he forgives our sin, and we have this moment of faith and trust in him, everything changes. And, and what God's asking from us is just a, for a willing heart. See, now, he's, now he's saying, I want to use you. I want to use you wherever you are, in whatever circumstance you're at. Just, just be willing to say, here I am, God. Send me. Use me. How can I love? And God, I'm okay not even knowing the details of what's going to happen. It's pretty awesome. One of, one of the notes, too, I want to mention. Uh, some of the, some, you're here with Donna. 
Don and Ross, you guys went on a prayer walk. Who went on the prayer walks locally? Okay, we had some prayer walks locally, and we passed out flyers here. Did God hold back the rain? No. He sent the hail, right? <laughs> they, were, they were so, so faithful, and they just said, you know what? We started. It was a great day. It was, it was a beautiful day. But as the hours progressed... Exactly, exactly. Sometimes God, like my sermon last week, sometimes God blesses us, right? And sometimes he gives us the faith to endure. And he uses that to glorify himself. So pretty, pretty amazing time. Good. Up next, uh, we have Mike going to share about some local projects here. Well, continuing on that, it was a challenge that week. The weather, if you remember, was either cold or snowy or rainy or hail. Uh, so it, it was definitely a challenge. The very first, um, uh, we weren't sure whether some of them were going to, uh, some of our, uh, mission work was going to happen, but uh, God saw that uh, about 98% of it happened. We had to cancel one. Uh, that was the car wash. We're afraid the hoses might freeze, but uh, <laughs> nothing worse than a frozen windshield. So, <laughs> but that very first morning, uh, we had we were setting up the prayer booth down down at the uh, uh, by the Catholic Church across from the Catholic Church. And uh, we set that up and came back, and we were getting all our gear together to go window wash. The very first afternoon, we were washing windows downtown on the stores downtown. There was about six of us. Renee was one of them. And we, we wound up um, getting everything together. We were just about ready to leave. Brandon was up out of his chair. We were coming, we were coming out the door, and a gentleman walked in from the prayer booth. They had, they had begun down there and uh, needed assistance. So I took, I took his rig and left him my little ranger. So, <laughs> but already within that first hour, somebody, we were able to help somebody. Somebody was able to be uh, stop at the prayer booth, needed assistance, and was able to be sent down here to the church. The, the washing of the windows was, was awesome. Uh, we got as many done as we could in two hours, there, and uh, but got looks from some of them that were, you know, really? You're down here to wash our windows? You know, uh, people passing by would say, uh, what are you guys doing? Uh, is this a business? No, no, we're doing it because Jesus uh, instructed us to, be, to do that. We want to do that for the community. Uh, I... You know, being maintenance here at the church, I'm in ACE, hardware a lot. Uh, that week when I would go in between, in between our uh, mission work, I would go for parts or whatever. I had probably at least three or four of the employees that saw us out and about doing the windows and said, was that, was that you out there doing it? Yep, it was. And, and got to, you know, share a little bit the reason why we were doing what we were doing. It was awesome. And then, and then on Saturday, was involved in also the widows. Uh, nine, to, nine to 12, we had a good group of guys, women, kids. And we all um, sorted out. We did, I think it was seven or eight homes we were able to go to and, and assist hauling off branches, bagging up uh, pine, you know, pine cones, needles, whatever. But uh, what touched me the most was when we got to Carol Wilder's place. And 
<laughs> she made me cry like she's doing now because she was overwhelmed with the love that we were able to show people, to show her. And it was a pleasure to do that. We wound up, we wound up with about, she said, oh my gosh, she was explaining to when Ed and I finally arrived there, we were the last ones to come. And we were about the seventh truck that had pulled in that had a trailer on the back end. We were able to haul off the bags and whatnot. But she was overwhelmed by the, the number of people it showed because she was actually the last one on the list and the largest place. And by the time we got there, there was, there was probably 15 or, or 15 to 20 people probably had been there. But it was awesome to see our church family come together and help one of our own, too, because we all need each other and God's love encourages us yeah it was, a, it was a great it was a great week and that was the that was the first project the only project that was really an internal project that we served ourselves, and that's yeah. we're called to do that right take care of one another especially the widows and orphans uh, in our church people who need that help uh so we were, we, we were obviously pleased to do that the rest of the week was more outward focused to our community but but love doesn't just stop at the edge of the door of the church it comes in as well and we we continue to uh to serve each other and serve our community uh, a passage in James, you know, he talked about people watching. Uh, the prayer booth that was set up that morning was, was down by the Catholic Church in the parking lot, and they had about 10 folks come through to pray. Okay? A win? Sure it was a win, of course, right? And it, the, these gals were dedicated. It was a little windy, a little cold, but, but they were dedicated. They were down there praying for people as, as they had, had needs. Um, what was even more encouraging and to understand is that it was set up on a corner, a high-traffic corner. So although only 10 people came to pray, hundreds of cars drove by in that time period while they were set up to pray. Hundreds of cars saw that, that people were selflessly, sacrificially giving and wanting to love and serve the community in a practical, free way, right? And so it, it, what a great win to see. And people are watching that, and, and they're being touched by that. They may not have the courage to stop and ask for prayer, but, but who knows how many went home contemplating, thinking about, asking questions about God and maybe their relationship with him, right? That, that's a win. But people are, the point of this is people are watching. People are watching for the legitimacy of our faith. James chapter 1, verse 26 and 27 says this. If anyone thinks he's religious without controlling his tongue, then, religion, uh, then his religion is useless and he deceives himself. So there's an action, an active, and talking about the tongue, the power of the tongue. And, and there's a lot on that chapter about that. But it's not just the tongue, it's our actions. It's our outward living, right? Our faith, love, joy, peace, patience, all those things, right? And it goes on, it says, pure religion, pure and undefiled religion, before God our Father is this, <clears throat> to look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Jump over to chapter 2, verse uh, 14. It says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can his faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and, and eat well, but you don't give them what the body needs? What good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. You see, for you and I, we have, we have a faith in Christ, and it's, we are not saved by our works. We are saved by grace through faith. But it is evidenced by our works. We'll know the fruit, right? We'll know when we see the fruit. We'll know whose who's, who's, uh, the vine is that we're attached to. You and I are to, to show we love and, and, and make sure we know people are watching. 
so that people would see us and it would point to a legitimate faith in Jesus Christ. That we are, and that faith calls us to love freely and give freely. People are watching. People are, people are wanting to know our faith is legitimate by our actions. Thanks, Mike. Up next is Eva. Can you guys Oh, there it is. Okay. Um, our, our project, I was with a team, and um, we went to George Washington Manor, or Escaton, and worked on the garden area. They have a garden area at the top of the hill um, with uh, lots of uh, planter boxes. And so it was our job to go and rip out all the old rotten boards and build new planter boxes. So we took our drills and hammers and... Um, wasn't sure if I was going to get to drill or hammer, but um, I'm not very good at it either. But they didn't care, I guess. Um, so we went, and, I, you know, God just wants us to be available. We don't have to always have that skill. He uses us anyway. And so we were out there and ripping up the boards and stacking them up and um, making trenches for the new boards to be put in, and the guys were in the back using the big saws and drilling and putting boxes together. And as we were working, um, some of the residents came out into the garden and they pointed out their boxes because I think people have their boxes that they work in. And they wanted to make sure that they were still going to have their boxes, I think, when we got done. And they shared with us their planting. And um, one of the ladies, Millie, came out and brought us a couple of house plants to take home, which was really sweet because she wanted to give back. And um, another gentleman, his name was Gene, came out, and he was sharing about his tomato plants that he had, I want to say created, but somehow he, he came up with a new seed and was sharing with us about that. And we talked and asked names and visited for a while. And then we went back to work. And as we were working, um, I glanced over at one point, and I noticed he was sitting on the stairs that go into the top building there. And I just felt like um, God's spirit was saying, you should go talk to him. And, you know, and my, my spirit said, no, I'm supposed to work. And I don't want everyone to think I'm a slacker. And so, um, uh, you know, God just nudged me again. And so I went, okay, I get it. And so I went over, you know, and I don't have a hard time talking, but I went over there and sat down with him and started, we just started up a little conversation. And the first thing he said is, why are you doing this? And I went, whoa, that's an open door, right? And um, which kind of intimidated me a little bit. But, you know, I said, we just want to help you guys. And, and we want to share God's love with you. And because God has shared his love with us, because we were just um, coming on to Easter week, you know, and God has shared his love with us through his son, Jesus by dying on the cross for us. And so we want to give back. We want to share and we want to help. And so um, he thought about that and he thought about the word Jesus and um, just shared that his mom believed in Jesus, that she was a Christian, but she was, I mean, his interpretation was he was, she was a little overboard. <laughs> and so I thought, uh-oh. Um, and then he shared with me that he really believed about that the force within him was what, motivated him in his life and so I thought oh, okay and I said well I believe in the force in me too and that's Jesus 
And um, that's what motivates me to do what I do and, and live what I live. And so we chatted for a little bit longer, and then I said, i got to get back to work, or oh, my boss, Dane's going to get, you know, <laughs> get after me. And so um, so went back to work, and a little while later, he came out into the garden, and he said, would you like to have one of my new tomato starts? And I said, I would. And so... This is my tomato start that he gave me. So I went in to his place, and he said, pick which one you want. So I picked this one. And so every day since we did that project, when I look at this, of course, it reminds me of him. And so I think of him, and I pray for him to know Jesus. And um, then God put it on my heart this week that, you know, this isn't a one-time event, and maybe you should go back and check on Gene. And so um, I like to bake, so I baked some cookies. Because, you know, you can't really turn away cookies, right? And so <laughs> I, took, I took my tomato plant with me, and I took the cookies, and I went up and knocked on the door, and I, he opened the door. I'm like, hi, Gene. And he's like, hi, Eva. And I'm like, you remembered my name? You know, because I probably only told him once. And I said, I brought you some cookies. And, and he said, what happened? Is the tomato plant dying? And I'm like, no. <laughs> No. <laughs> I said, I just wanted to bring it and show you that it's still alive, you know. And, um, and um, so he said, could you come in and talk for a little bit? And I said, okay. And I was kind of busy. And you know how you get that feeling in your heart that I really should be planning my Sunday school lesson or whatever. But I said, no, I'll come in. And so we sat down because God always makes time. He always makes time. And um, so I sat down and we chatted and just kind of got to know each other a little more. And he had shared that a couple people had just kind of brushed him off earlier in the day. And I, it sounded like it just kind of hurt. And so he was happy to have someone that would take a few moments and just spend some time with him. Um, so anyway, blessed my heart. And then um, another blessing from that, uh, you know, because I worry about planning my Sunday school lesson because, you know, if I'm not prepared, the kids will take over. But, um, and I couldn't share this in the first service because we hadn't had Sunday school yet, but we had our lesson, and God, um, we had fun. You know, we did our craft, and we learned about the Holy Spirit, and I just felt God, God honored me honoring God, you know, by taking the time out where I really thought I should be studying and kind of felt a little harried about my lesson, but it all worked out, and, you know, when we put God first, it all works out, and it's really special, and then... The other thing, when I was up at the garden, um, there was another guy in the garden, so I said hi, because I can't usually go by without saying hi, and was talking with him, and his name was John Keenan, the president of the Eschaton <laughs> Club, and he was just so thrilled, because um, I'd talked and told him we'd been in the garden a week before, and he was so happy. He said, that girl at your church, her name's Chris, and I said, yeah, Chris Adlard. He's like, she came out here with her her pencil and paper and her clipboard, and she got the job done. And <laughs> he was just so happy. And so. he called me girl. And he called her girl. <laughs> so it was really fun. I hope you'll, um, if you worked on a project, I hope you'll go back and see the people that you spent time with and just let them know it's not one time. It's, this is for eternity that we get to care about each other. Yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, and, and really the thing we can learn, and I want you to, I want you to understand, uh, for our life, for our mission, uh, our goal as, as, a, as individuals and as a church, uh, God is about the people, not the project. Okay? Uh, what we do is not about our plans. 
not about our programs, not about our projects. It is about the people. Now, the projects are a way that we are able to connect with people. We serve people in tangible, meet physical needs, but we do it so we can meet spiritual needs, right? People's souls count, and, and people matter. And when someone's on the, on the stairs waiting to have a conversation while we're serving them, that is the, a prime opportunity for us to share the gospel, right? Not just by working, by doing, but by actually talking about Jesus and talking about the importance of him. I, I want to read a passage out of Matthew chapter 5. It's the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you're the salt of the earth, right? Not just a worker who has a bag of salt over their shoulder and going to drop it off for somebody. You and I are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses uh, or should, should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine all over the project. No, before men, before people, so they may see your good works. They'll see the project. They'll hear about it. They'll talk about that and glorify their Father who is in heaven, right? So our goal as a church, our goal individually, should not be just to check off a list and accomplish the projects. Oh, yeah, I was a part of a, a cool crew, and I had a cool T-shirt, and we, we did something awesome that day. We were about the business of meeting physical needs, so we could meet spiritual needs, so Jesus could meet the ultimate spiritual need. And it's about souls. It's about people. And, that's, and we need to be about, be about that every day. And, and although the projects have ended, people are still there. And what Eva said, we need to continue that on. Uh, in, in the future, in the next several months, we're going to find out ways and look for ways that we can continue Love Does type mission projects, that we can continue those uh, on an ongoing basis. But, but please do. Go, go buy. Take some cookies to someone. Go, go visit with them. Go love somebody so they might know Jesus. Right? What if, what if you could just love your neighbor towards Jesus? What if that's who God placed you in relationship with? It's an amazing opportunity. And last up, we have uh, David Holst who went to, to Oakland, and we're going to show a, a quick video uh, to start that one off. It's, uh, it's actually a video produced uh, by Global Gates, the, the uh, ministry he partnered with, and uh, kind of talk about the what if. What if we could go into all the world without ever leaving the U.S.? What if we saw people moving to our country as a missional opportunity? What if we reached the nations through our cities? What if God is sending millions of unreached peoples to North America for more than a better life? What if I didn't come to America for the American dream? What if I came as a part of God's redemptive story? What if we responded to the fact that over half of the world's population now live in cities? What if I am more open to the gospel here than in my own country? What if the gates to unevangelized countries were open through American cities? What if the gospel spread through networks that already exist? Through business, through education, through migration. What if our cities became birthplaces for disciple-making movements around the world? What if I take my education and Jesus back with me to my country? What if the command to go meant across town? What if American Christians were as good at missions in our homeland as we are overseas? What if the next challenge for missionary pioneers is not reaching remote villages, but reaching busy, hidden, influential people now residing in our cities? What if the strategic frontier of missions is closer to home than you think? What if the foreigner next door is one God wants to save? To reach thousands in Asia. In in the Middle East, 
What if disciples were made through long-distance phone calls? What if churches were started through Skype? What if churches not only adopted people groups overseas? What if we adopted the immigrant next door? What if immigrants reached immigrants? What if business people didn't just support missions? What if their business was used for mission? What if I used my home to welcome foreigners? What if I am the one God wants to use to reach the mission? What if I am the one? What if I am the one? What if you are the one? And what if a network existed to launch you into what God is doing among least reached peoples and cities? So <clears throat> Lori and I had the privilege of uh, going south. And um, the goal of the Missions Week, uh, from I'm on the Missions Committee as well, um, was to really to get our church to be involved. Um, and there's a number of scriptures, of course, that talk about that. Um, Matthew 28, which is the Great Commission, says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Um, Acts 1.8 but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In Revelation uh, chapter 7, it talks about before the throne of God, um, there'll be a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language. Um, and that was kind of the idea of what we're all hearing about. We're, we're you know, Jerusalem is here in Mount Shasta. Um, all Judea and Samaria is really Reno in, in our local area. Um, and then the ends of the earth, which is pretty obvious, but for us ended up being Fremont, California, interestingly <laughs> enough. Um, Lori and I could have gone farther, but it would have been expensive. It may have been pretty dangerous, and uh, we only had five days. Um, but as we got down there and started, um, even the first evening as we got there late, uh, we're at a great prayer time with the team down there and went out to dinner afterwards pretty late in the evening and didn't really want to go to fast food. The first restaurant we went to was a Pakistani Indian food place. Pretty spicy, good food, and we were the only white English-speaking people there. Um, and it was an eye-opener just to look around Fremont and see the difference in people. And, uh, and, and the idea of Fremont is exactly what you just saw in the video. It, Global Gates, their concept is partnering to reach these people groups in the US. Their vision is reaching the ends of the earth through Global Gateway Cities. And their mission is to see the gospel transformation of the world's most unevangelized people groups who have come to global gateway cities and through them to reach their communities around the world. This totally ties into the persecuted church as well because Global Gates' vision is all of these people from unreached people groups are here in the U.S. where we have the freedom to, to teach, to love, to serve, to talk about Jesus. Um, you know, in Afghanistan, if you convert to Christianity, it's punishable by death. If they see an Afghani carrying a Bible, they'll assume they're a Christian and it's punishable by death. Obviously, that's not the case here in the United States. Um, so we arrived in Fremont um, and, again, had um, some excellent training. We'd already, they'd already encouraged us to read several books, that, which really kind of familiarized us with, with Islam and also just each Eastern culture. Um, we watched some training videos talking about bridging into that culture, and they did some on-site training. And then we got to actually experience uh, sifting. We were going to stores, we were going to businesses. They, through an application, had figured out targeted Muslims' homes. And Brandon is a very friendly guy and likes going door to door. I don't really like going door to door. Um, but, but Laura and I went door to door, and it was an amazing experience. It was pretty simple. 
male, female. Culturally, it was a female, and I prayed for a female, so Lori got to speak. If it was a male, I got to speak. And basically, it was pretty simple. We'd say, hey, I'm David. This is Lori. We're followers of Jesus. How can we pray for you? And oh, by the way, we know things are pretty tense in our country right now. Um, um, we're glad you're here. You know, how can we serve you? And Jesus is glad you're here, too. Um, I would say the most amazing uh, cap of this, of this experience was on Thursday night um, through um, Josiah and Ricky, who are training to be midwife, she's trained to be a midwife and is planning on going to live in Afghanistan, um, took us to a mosque that they hadn't been to before. We ended up spending three and a half hours in the mosque, um, experiencing their service and celebration. They fed us a meal. And I ended up spending a lot of my time talking to the imam, which is their leader. And very early in our time there, he was born in Afghanistan, has, was basically raised in, uh, in Iran. He looked at me in the, in the eye and he said, so why are you here? And it's kind of like Eva, it's like, okay, you know, how do I answer this? Well, my answer was pretty direct. It's like, well, as a follower of Jesus, um, we want to learn more about your faith and who you are. Jesus commands us that we're not supposed to be afraid and we just want to love you. And, you know, through that, it was just a lot of time listening, a lot of times talking about Jesus within this mosque. And even as the Iman got up to, um, to preach, um, he basically commented to his congregation about feeling the presence of Jesus within their community, um, which I'm not totally sure what exactly that means, but it, they were feeling the presence of Jesus. Um, so who knows what will happen? Um, one of the books that they had us read called A, uh, a Muslim's Heart, the author who'd lived in the Middle East and worked with Muslims for a long time, uh, had really identified six uh, different things that are really required for a Muslim to be brought towards faith in Christ. Prayer of the saints, friendship with at least one genuine committed Christian, culturally relevant application of the Bible, bridges being built to their culture, wooing and a moving of the Holy Spirit, and an insider approach, which is kind of like, what do they do with their faith within their culture after they come to know Christ? Um, these are incredible observations. Um, and as Lori and I, however, traveled around Fremont trying to find the needle in the haystack of an Afghan Muslim believer, we were struck by several things. One is there was churches all over the place. Number two is the men I talked to in the mosque that were Muslim Afghans were engineers, they were teachers, they were waiters, they were nurses, they lived in neighborhoods, their children go to the public school, they're involved in sports, um, they're doing a lot of the things that we're doing. And obviously I go, wow, we're looking for a needle in the haystack. They're working with people, probably some of whom are followers of Jesus. You know, So it became my mantra, the answer is, Invite a Muslim to lunch. Invite a Muslim to dinner. Um, you know, open up that relationship. And those six points that I just read, prayer by the saints, friendship with at least one genuine committed Christian, culturally relevant application of the Bible, building bridges, wooing of the Holy Spirit. It's exactly what our neighbors need to come to know Christ. It's exactly what the people in my office need to know Christ, people on our sports teams. So, you know, it really is up to us to be Jesus' hands and feet. It's really up to us to take the gospel to the people that God has put into our life. Whether it's here, Jerusalem, Mount Shasta, all Judea and Samaria, our area in every, uh, of California, United States, or to the othermost ends of the world, which, by the way, may be closer than you think because it's in Fremont and it's all over the place. Cool. Thanks, Dave. Uh, we had an amazing time. And... Uh, with the whole, the thing is, we, we are to love our neighbor. 
right? With the trip to, to Fremont, to Oakland, it was that we love our neighbor. We love neighbor, our neighbor as, as Christ has loved us. And I want, I want to read a passage just, and David brought it up. It's the, it's the great commission uh, that Jesus gives before he sends into heaven. Uh, he said, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee. This is Matthew 28 at the end. And uh, to the mountain that Jesus said uh, to go to. And when they saw him, they worshiped. But some doubted. Some still doubted. They'd, they'd seen him grow up. Some, some of them had. They'd, they'd worked or been in ministry with him for several years. They'd seen him die on the cross and then met a resurrected Lord after he rose from the dead. And some were still doubting. And, and it's like you and I. You know, we, we've seen, we know the effects of Jesus. We see uh, the impact our faith has had in a risen Savior. But, but sometimes we doubt. Did Jesus really say he wanted us to go there or to do that? Does he really want me to love my neighbor in that way? So Jesus approaches, and he knows they're doubting. And if you're doubting today, if you're wondering, eh, is this really for me? Should I really be serving? Should I really be giving to missions? Should I really be uh, dedicating my time and, and raising my hand? Jesus said this. He says, Jesus came near and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So he wanted to, to recap. He said, listen, I'm the boss. All the authority is, is mine to give and, and, and mine to have. So listen to what I'm going to say. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus' instructions for us are clear. This was not instructions to a couple, couple pastors or a couple missionaries. This was, in, this was instructions to disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, that you and I would go. Because he has the authority. He's sending us that you and I would go, that we would baptize, that we would teach, and that we would trust that God is with us every step of the way. And what, what he's asking is that, he said, I, I took up the cross, I took the shame, I took the guilt, I died there, and I conquered it all when I rose from the dead. And what he's asking from you and I to be followers of Christ is that you and I would deny ourselves, and we would take up the cross, and lift up that cross of Christ everywhere we go as we follow him. And that following him begins right now, right here. It goes as you leave and you, you're with your family. It goes to your neighbors next door. It goes to your co-workers. It goes to the people that God has placed you in. And it goes ultimately to the uttermost parts of the earth. That God's love would never fail and it would reach all so that people would know Jesus Christ. Amen? Before we close in prayer, we won't have an invitation time today or a song, but uh, we are going to have an opportunity for uh, multiple participants. We have five people here, six of us, that participated. And we know there were hundreds that signed up. There are, there are over 100 of you that signed up to help during that week. And on May 8th, it's a Monday night, here in the auditorium at, at 8 p.m. or 7 p.m., sorry, 7 p.m., you're going to have an opportunity to share some stories and to hear more uh, about the amazing things that God did and is continuing to do. I encourage you to come and be a part of that, if you, especially if you, if you were part of the, the crew. You can come share. If you, if you didn't get a chance to, to participate, Come and hear all that God did. Be encouraged by that. But uh, May 8th, here at 7 p.m., we'll have a great time uh, just doing a, a Love Does missions recap uh, here at the church, okay? Let's stand together and pray together. Father, you are a good, good Father. We thank you that you love us so much. We thank you that you made a way for our relationship to be fixed and resolved through Jesus Christ. And God, that as we have trusted in you and put our faith in you, you change everything. You make all things new. 
And God, as you make all things new, you're calling us to be your ambassadors, to take up the cross, to show the cross off to everyone we meet, that we might proclaim Jesus to the uttermost parts of the world. But God, help us start here and now today. Help us be your hands and feet and show your hands and feet everywhere we go. Not because we're nice people, but because you are a glorious God. We praise you for all that you did during this week and what you're going to continue to do through our lives, through our church, God, into the lives of the people around us that, that you're touching with our faithfulness. We thank you for letting us be a part of that. And we praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, you guys. We'll see you later.